Sorry, guys. We were dealing with sound issues. I, I mean, we were dealing with technical difficulties, so we apologize for that. You still there? I'm well, here. I'm here. Okay. Uh, you kind of cut off somehow, so we want to apologize to everybody out there that we were dealing with technical difficulties. Yeah, you asked about the uh, Lakers' fourth overall pick, correct? Yeah. That's where it got cut off. I don't know what happened. It's was your internet connection kind of bad? Uh, I mean, we've been having crazy a little bit of crazy weather up here, so it could have been that. Um, so uh, back to that question, I it depends on honestly the the, the the package and the offer. I I um, I honestly think if it's there, they could potentially use uh, that fourth overall pick to get a superstar player like Anthony Davis or, you know, maybe, maybe um, Bradley Beal in Washington, or uh, I don't know, maybe some, one one of those, like someone, some, some talented team in the East that has a lot of pieces of Celtics. Maybe. I, I don't know. Like there's, I think most likely if there is a trade, it would be for involve Anthony Davis. He could, yeah, absolutely. So now that being said, let's talk about now. Uh, if the Lakers kept the pick, who do you think I pick? I pick, I pick the Lakers to get Cam Reddish. Yeah, or Jared Culliver, both good shooters coming exactly. into this draft. Those, those would be my two picks for the Lakers to get as well. They, both those guys are coming off really good seasons, especially Culliver. You know, leading his team to a championship appearance um you can't go wrong with either picks yeah you can't you can't go wrong with that that's for sure so let's talk about my mock trade package that will uh send anthony davis to the lakers i think the lakers get anthony davis and then the pelicans get the 2019 first round pick fourth overall and then the late and then the pelicans receive josh hart mo wagner and brandon ingram yeah um that that seems very very fair uh don't also it, i don't think it'll happen but we, we you also can't discount maybe alonzo ball being a part of that deal um so it, it really depends on what if, if the pelicans want to fleece the lakers or not because we as we saw this past year the pelicans basically wanted the lakers to trade away their entire team just for davis Oh, absolutely. So now let's talk about now um, our reaction to Lionel Hollins joining the Lakers coaching staff under Frank Vogel. Do you think this is a good addition to this coaching staff? I do. Uh, Hollins was one of the best coaches uh, in, in the NBA for a certain period of time. He actually was is arguably the best coach in uh, Memphis Grizzlies history. Um, so he – he definitely can't do any wrong there. He 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 brings a lot of uh, success, and he's proven himself. So the Lakers are making all the right moves and building their coaching staff up for the future. Absolutely, and I think Lionel Hollins' his experience shows that he he's a part of what you would call this. I think I think Lionel Hollins, he's he's his experience shows in the playoffs that he can help the Lakers out in some way because. You know he was the all-time winningest head coach in Memphis Grizzlies history. Yeah, so he's 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 got a resume, that's for sure. 
he's got a good resume, that's for sure. So now that being said, uh, with that being said, let's uh, let's talk about uh, now uh, Jeff Hornacek. Do you think he's going to join Hollins and Kidd in Lakerland as part of the, the staff that Frank Vogel's building? He he definitely is a is a strong candidate to help complete that that coaching cast. Um, obviously, he wasn't amazing with the Knicks, but he did have um, one or two decent years when he was the coach of the Suns when they literally had no talent there. So I mean, uh, adding a coach like that that can get the best out of players, you know, to that staff, it's it's all depends on the staff chemistry. If they feel like he can fit their chemistry and their goals, then why not? Yeah, I think Jeff Hornacek will help with the free throw aspect of the of the Lakers. That was definitely a weakness last year for Los Angeles. They they need improving that. So if he can, then what? Then by all means, one of the best free throw shooters in NBA history. Yeah. So now that being said, let's talk about what about uh, Brian Shaw being retained on the Lakers staff? Do you see that happening? Hmm. It seems like the Lakers have been doing everything they can to bring fresh faces in, um, make, 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 basically purging their current management and staff because, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of uh, expectations with a franchise that has LeBron James on it. But uh, if he shows the right stuff and he shows that he's committed to this new movement, then I don't see anything wrong with keeping him there. Oh, okay, but from what from what you're saying is that if Brian Shaw doesn't join the Lakers, he could join Luke Walton's staff in Sacramento. He could. He got along with Walton. Um, you know, he he. Uh, I I actually believe uh, there was a time when Lavar Ball said that Brian Shaw should replace Walton as the head coach this past year. Um, so. Shaw has the stuff, but yeah, if he if he doesn't end up going with the Lakers, then he'd be a fine addition for the Kings because the Kings are actually a team that they're a dark horse team for next year. They got a lot of talent. Yeah, they have a lot of talent. That's for sure. So now that being said, uh, let's talk talk about the NFL now. So let's talk about our reaction to the Carson Wentz contract extension. So did you think that the did you think that the Eagles overpaid him? That's a tough question nowadays because every new every QB, it seems like from here on out, if, if you're like a going to be a top five player at your position going forward, you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna get paid higher than previous contracts. It just seems like every contract is higher than a previous one, even if, say, one of the earlier guys to sign is way better than one of the current guys. But all in all honesty, um, if Carson Wentz stays healthy, it's it seems like a fair deal. Yeah, it could be a fair deal. You're right about that. So now let's talk about Gerald McCoy. Um, you think? Do you think that Gerald McCoy is going to add a presence to this Carolina Panthers defense? Oh yeah, absolutely. They, you know, putting him with uh, <coughs> Kawan Short up there in the middle. That's that's a that's a that's a solid interior. I mean, you know, he 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 looked at other teams around the league, and I I honestly thought he was going to sign with a uh, because he said he wanted to play with a winner. So I thought he was going to go side, play with a team that made the playoffs in the previous year. Uh, you know, he the, 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 um, 
the uh, Ravens were looking at him. The Browns wanted him. Uh, there were a lot of other teams interested in him because he's still got talent. He just fell out with uh, Tampa Bay. But, you know, it, it's he's going to a team that's got a very good defensive mind coach in Ron Rivera. So I, I think he will definitely make his presence known. Oh, you're absolutely you're right about that. That's for sure. So, with that being said, um, let's talk about now our let's talk about before we talk about the Bills and Jets and Dolphins. So, let's talk about now. Um, let's talk about uh, Brian Bean getting fired from the Texans. So now the Texans are now looking for a new GM. Obviously, you know that by now. And then the Jets, however, hired a GM that. Adam Gase is familiar with, and that's Joe Douglas. Yeah, uh, from the Eagles, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, we all knew it was going to happen at some point. They, they wanted to make sure Adam Gase didn't walk into the season being the head coach and GM. That's a horrible uh, responsibility and um, workload, so – uh, they see there seem to be good raves, good comments about Douglas so far. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Jets really wanted him, even if Douglas seemed hesitant early on, uh, the Jets were very, very, very adamant about bringing him in. So, uh, could be a good move by them. Yeah, it could be a great move by them. That's for sure. So with that being said, uh, so with that being said, um, now, about now, let's talk about uh, let's talk about now uh, the Texans. So, who do you think their new GM is going to be now that Brian Bean's fired? Do you think it's going to be somebody that Bill O'Brien's familiar with, so that it saves his job? It it, it would do well for them because O'Brien's been that coach that has shown like he's he's been like a a law of averages coach one year, he'll do okay. Another year he'll do bad. And it's been that reoccurring pattern. Um, so, I mean, I, I really think that if, if, if Bill O'Brien wants to, to keep his job and show improvement and, uh, you know, uh, value to the organization, they're, 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 they're going to bring it. They got to bring a GM and that can work well with him. It just seems like Bill, Bill O'Brien's gotten a lot of leeway from Houston, no matter how good or bad he's done. So I honestly think that um, Bill O'Brien might, you know, not have to worry as much as whoever the new GM is. Because I was, I was honestly surprised that Gain got fired. Because I mean, the Texans had a chance to get a top two seed at this past year until they lost the last second game to the Eagles, and you know they they're showing promise for the future. I mean, they got some issues, but I mean, they if they fix some if they fix some certain holes. They, they could be a serious contender. Uh, I don't know. This new GM, uh, I don't honestly know what the Texans are looking for because Gain, I feel like, didn't do anything really wrong. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong, that's for sure. So, now that being said, let's talk about now. Uh, let's talk about now the Buffalo Bills. So, what gr- grade do you give the Buffalo Bills in, in, in its regards to the draft? I'd probably say, you know, B plus, A minus. They that 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 Ed Oliver pick was like they could have had terrible picks the rest of the way, but that Ed Oliver pick was just perfect for them. They lost Kyle Williams, one of their, you know, one of the cornerstones of that defense for the last couple the last 
uh, a couple of years. And now you got Oliver coming in and joining a defense that was already on the rise last year. So that, that pickets in its own, what made, made, made their draft. I you expect at Oliver to be the team's number one defensive tackle come September. Uh, yeah, he could be. He's, He's got that talent. It depends on how his training camp goes. I mean, they might ease he ease him into it, but if he shows the promise, then why not? I mean, he's gonna show a lot of promise. That's for sure. He has the potential, you know. Absolutely. He, he, he would. If he didn't have a, a down year this past year, he would have been a top three pick. But they, the, the team he played for, didn't use him right. They, 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 they kind of. Uh, had him shuffle around a little. They didn't have him to play the right technique, and it, it kind of slowed him down a little. If, if the if the Bills use him the way he's supposed to be used, then it's one of the biggest steals in the draft. He is going to be a steal in this draft. I could see that in him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that if the Bills continue the, the trend that they're on, they're, they already have a – it's going to be a top-five defense. They just got to make sure their offense gets, get, improves enough to where they can actually be competitive. All right. So now that being said, let's talk about uh, let's talk about um, questions for you. Uh, do you think Josh Allen's going to take a big leap in his sophomore season? And Sean, is Sean McDermott on the hot seat? Uh, yeah. The thing with Josh Allen, like he's got an arm and he's very athletic, so he can run on the ground. I just, I'm just a little peeved because like the Bills re- re- rebuilt their receiving core. But they like they gave him like small, fast, speed receivers, you know, which is fine and dandy. But if if he if, if Allen continues to have accuracy issues, then there's no point. Like I I really feel like the Bills needed to help him a little more by giving him big possession receivers, receivers that can, you know, um, if the ball is thrown a little far, a little bit of ways behind or front, they can still make a play on it because they they have big bodies, big hands, like. You know, they gave Allen, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, like, guys that can, like, get open but are mostly, like, shifty, fast guys that can, t- can stretch a defense. I I think if the Bills want to see the best of John Allen, they got to give him a big possession receiver. Yeah, they have to give him uh, – they have to get – they have to give Allen receivers. So, I think he's going to take a big leap from his, from his season. So, um also, do you think Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, is on the hot seat as well? Mm, uh, I don't think so. I, I think I think if they if they have another average year this year, next year he'd be on the hot seat. I think I think they re- I mean the the, the the roster is definitely improved. So I think that what the Jets are mainly looking for, I mean what the Bills management is looking for is that he stays competitive and at least, you know, Gets second place in the division. Um, if if they can do that, maybe win like eight or nine games, then that's definitely um, a step forward. As long as as long as he shows improvement and, and competitiveness, I, I don't think there's any issue. Just because they they need to realize that uh, he has the defense to win games, but that offense needs some work. So it's it, it, it he could be on the hot seat. It all depends on how they open up the season and how things start off. If he like loses the first four or five games. Absolutely. I mean, we'll see about that. So now with that being said, let's talk about 
Now our favorite offseason move for the Bills. I think my favorite offseason move for the Bills was getting uh, John Brown because I think it's it's going to help with Josh Allen's development. And also Tyler Croft. Yes, um, I did like the John Brown signing because on obviously before the Ravens last year became that Lamar Jackson run first team, John Brown was actually having some success with Joe Flacco. And uh, Josh Allen has an arm. And if John Brown is like healthy, his his uh, ability to get open downfield, that'll that'll definitely help uh, improve uh, Allen's success. So that was a good move. And Tyler Croft actually last year when uh, Tyler Eifert went down with injury, uh, he stepped up for the Bengals till he got hurt himself. So, I mean, he, he could be a, a sneaky little uh, tight end steal for tight end signing to help Allen's uh, development. Yeah, getting veteran Pete re- receivers like that will help Allen out because of the young quarterback. And also uh, Dawson Knox, a tight end, I think we'll talk about him in just a minute, will really help with his development too, the rookie tight end that I think the Bills are very, very high on in this draft. So, Let's talk about the dumbest offseason move for the Bills is how in the world would they sign Frank Gore? Do you think he's going to help with this Bills team? Maybe not. I mean, he's a little older, you know. Frank Gore, he's the inconvenient truth. Every time you think he's old, he'll mm-hmm. – like last year, uh, he had a breakout game against the Patriots, the one that the Dolphins won with that miracle to Kenyon Drake. So, I mean, Frank Gore still has his spurts, but – I just see Frank Gore being a, a, a leadership presence more than anything. He might get his carries, but I'm also going to say I, th- I think it was a, a, a an odd thing to pay a lot of money for center Mitch Morse. They they gave him a lot of money, and I mean they, they did need O line improvement, but it's not like Mitch Morse was a, a, a an all pro or anything. So I, I think the Morse and Gore, and Gore signings uh, that those two are a little shaky to me because that you're you're bringing in guys that are either old or overrated as far as uh, production has been shown. So it, we'll have to see. I, I don't know how it's going to pan out, especially the Gore signing, because the Bills also drafted – they still have LaShawn McCoy, who's had some injury issues, and then they drafted Devin Singletary. So that running back committee is going to be kind of interesting. That, that's for sure. And now let's talk about now uh, the my favorite draft picks of the Bills. I like the picks of – uh, Cody Ford, Ed Oliver, and I think Dawson Knox. Watch out for Dawson Knox. Yes, Dawson Knox was a really good tight end at, at Ole Miss. He uh, he he fell a little because you know he didn't get as much production. But watch out, he's uh, he's he's got potential, a lot of potential. He does have a lot of potential. That's for sure. So with that being said, uh, let's talk about now. Uh, let's talk about our our offensive and defensive rookies of the years of the Bills. I think it's going to be Cody Ford, Dawson Knox, and Ed Oliver. And for for the breakout players of the year for the Bills, it's Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with those, especially the Tremaine Edmonds, because they spent a high pick on him last year, and I think. With year two of, of having a full offseason under his belt, he'll he'll uh, show the, the stuff of why he was uh, worthy of a high pick last year to, to take over on that defense. Absolutely. So, that being said, uh, let's talk about 
our game to highlight of the Bills of the 2019 season schedule. So I think it's going to be the battle of two young quarterbacks between Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. Oh yeah, that that's that's definitely going to. Anytime the Bills and Jets play, especially now when they got two QBs both picked in the same draft, they're all going to be like, which QB is better? Who's going to be good going forward? I'm also going to say uh, later down the road, an interesting game to look at uh, for the Bills' sake, you know, is when they go up against another team that has a, a top-flight defense like them, you know, later on in the year when they play teams like the Ravens or when the Eagles come to town. I, I'm interested in games like that where they'll go up against young quarterbacks and see how they can contend against top-tier playoff teams from last year. Oh, what were you saying again? When they host when they host teams like the Eagles and Ravens later on in the year, uh, you know, going up against young quarterbacks uh, who have who shown the ability to move the ball, this will be a good test for their defense and how Josh Allen can respond if uh, he ends up getting in shootouts. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that being said, uh, the Bills record prediction in 2019, I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills are going to be uh, – I think they're going to be uh, – I'm going to say 8-8. Eight and eight. I I see that. I, I was going to say 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. So now let's talk about now uh, the Dolphins. So my question for you about the Dolphins is, first question, how, how will Brian Flores do in his first year as the head coach of the, of the Dolphins? Well, obviously the expectations shouldn't be very high there. They're already a team that's penciled in to have a top three pick next year. Um, <laughs> they lost a, they lost a lot of talent on the in the, on the off season. Um, <clears throat> they 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 you know they brought in some guys in the draft. They have some solid pieces on on their team right now. I mean they have a, a very good cornerback in Xavier Howard, some uh, young receivers with potential. But I honestly think that. There should be there, the expectations should be just to show growth. Uh, I mean, that you got Josh Rosen now, so the the main thing is just to de- is to, to develop him for the future. Absolutely. So now that being said, um, I, let's talk about who's going to be under center come week one for the Dolphins: Rosen or Fitzmagic. I'm going to go Josh Rosen here. I think it should be Rosen. I think the only reason it wouldn't be Rosen is if he gets hurt or for some reason, he literally tank craps the bed at training camp, but it should definitely be Rosen. Oh, absolutely. So now that being said, uh, Mike, let's do our favorite slash dumb offseason move for the Dolphins. The dumbest one was losing Ryan Tannehill, but my favorite one of the Dolphins was actually extending Devontae Parker. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill showed promise and had a few highlight moments, but I think that he got overpaid for one above average season he had early on uh, because then after that it was just injuries and a lot of inconsistencies and turnovers. So I, the Dolphins just had to get rid of that contract and get, like, they didn't want to have to pay him anymore. Um, I Devonte Parker, I liked him so much coming out of the draft. He just, he's had so many injury issues and inconsistencies, but if he's healthy, he's, he's a stud. So, I mean, I, maybe maybe he'll finally put it all together and stay on the field. 
he really could he really could put it all together that's for sure so with that being said let's talk about my favorite draft picks of the buff of the miami dolphins so Although um, they didn't use an offense, I mean, here's the thing. My favorite draft pick for the for the Dolphins is Christian Wilkins. Oh, <laughs> he had the best uh, walk on the stage when he jumped up and almost killed Roger Goodell. That was funny, but yeah. Uh, you, Christian... you mean he almost killed Roger Goodell? Well, he, he jumped up to give him a hug, and Goodell didn't see it coming. So, like, it's, it's a big dude hugging a, a, a middle-aged guy, but – no, he didn't run time. Remember when Danny Shelton picked up Cadell? I do remember that. Yeah, I, it was it was it was it was a highlight moment. Um, Wilkins is a, is going to be a stud. He he was a part of that fearsome front for Clemson. Uh, I like that pick. You know, the Dolphins lost Camp Cameron Wake and got rid of Robert Quinn, so they need to build up that defensive line again. So Christian Wilkins is a great guy to do that around. Um, so he is definitely the the uh, top. Uh, favorite pick for the dra- Dolphins this draft. Oh, absolutely. So with that being said, uh, let's talk about let's talk about uh, let's talk about now uh, my my rookies of the year for the Miami Dolphins. I think it's going to be Christian Wilkins for sure. And even though that they had an offense, I, and I'm also if you could give me just a minute here. Pulling up right now the Dolphins. When I look up their draft picks for the Miami Dolphins, uh, I think uh, I think An- Andrew Van Winkle would be the uh, offensive rookie of the year. No, no, he's defense. I, I pick Christian Wilkins as offensive player, offensive rookie of the year for the Dolphins, and I think Isaiah Prince would be the uh, offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, the the Dolphins really didn't have a draft that stands out. Uh, most of those guys are going to be like developing. It'll probably mostly likely be Wilkins for defense and Cox for offense. Oh, not Cox for offense. Uh, Prince for offense, just because those two guys are going to get the most starting opportunities compared to everybody else. Everybody else is mostly for depth. Yeah, probably for depth and all that. That's for sure. So, with that being said, uh. Let's talk about my breakout players of the year for the Dolphins this year. I think it's going to be on offense, Devontae Parker and uh, Mike Gusecki and Kenyon Drake. And on defense, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Yes. uh, For defense, I'm definitely going to say Minka Fitzpatrick because you already have Xavier Howard, who's who's proven himself. Now it's Fitzpatrick's turn. And on offense, I'm definitely going to go 100% on Kenyon Drake because – Drake's had so many highlight plays. The only problem is he's always been part of a committee or he, I don't know what it was, but Adam Gase did not like using him. Even though every time Kenyon Drake touched the ball, he either scored a touchdown or had a big play. So I, I think now that uh, there's a, there's a new coaching system in there. Kenyon Drake should be the number one running back and get as many opportunities as he can. So he is definitely my pick for offensive breakout. And on defense, you pick Minka. Yes. All right, so let's do the game to highlight on the Dolphins' 2019 season schedule. Look for that Week 2 game when the Dolphins play uh, my team, the New England Patriots, Week 2. I can't wait to see Bill Belichick go up against his uh, former understudy and Brian Flores and also in the last game of the regular season. Yeah, it's, especially when it's uh, – <laughs> whenever the um... – Patriots travel to Miami, no matter how good or bad either team is, 
weird stuff always happens. It's just a dumb thing. So I that that is a, that is definitely a game to to look at for this season. And I'm honestly going to probably also look at um, the towards the end of the season when the Dolphins travel to the Giants because I think by then the Giants might eat, start uh, start Daniel Jones. So Josh Rosen versus Daniel Jones, that would be an interesting matchup if that happens, if, if Eli isn't starting by the end of the year. We'll see, that's for sure. So with that being said, let me predict you my projected record of the Miami Dolphins this year. I say they're going to go 5-11. and 11. Yeah, they, they could sneak a couple wins in there. I'm, I'm, leaning, I'm leaning more towards 4-12. Uh, and 12. I say 5-11 and 11 because I feel like that they should, since they have Josh Rosen, they shouldn't be tanking. I feel like now the Dolphins have found the successor to Ryan Tannehill in Josh Rosen. Yeah, I mean, Rosen could play good, but uh, they still have a lot of other holes that um, might prevent them from uh, winning as many games as they as Rosen would want them to. Uh, I mean, with with his talent alone, Rosen could be very successful, but they they still got issues on D line because Wilkins is their um, only like stud player there now, basically, and their linebacking core is a little weak. Their secondary is all right. Um, especially if Fitzpatrick shows signs of growth. Um, and on offense, those receivers they have, um, it's going to be Parker, an old Danny Amendola, and the the uh, hit or miss Kenny Stills. So it's there's there's some potential there to win five, six games. But for now, I'm just going to say it's it's possibly four. But I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they somehow won five games. Yeah, so now let's talk. Uh, let's talk about now. Uh, let's so let's talk about now the New York Jets. So let's. Uh, here's my question for you: Is how how well do you think Adam Gase will do in his first year as the head coach of the New York Jets, and how do you think Joe Douglas will do with that pairing? Since you know that <coughs> that relationship is going to work with Adam Gase and uh, Joe Douglas. Well, the Jets made a lot of uh, high profile signings and uh, acquisitions in the offseason. So there's pieces there. I, I think mostly that the success of Gase and uh, um, Douglas, that, that, that all depends on how, how well Sam Darnold's grown. If uh, the offense isn't too inconsistent like it was last year, maybe now with Le'Veon Bell, it'll uh, have more stability. And if the defense can hold up in clutch moments in games, because the Jets defense for the, in the last couple of, like, especially last year had times where their defense was outstanding, but then like they would break down late in the game and lose. So I, I really think it's all about getting better mentality in the players, which Gase, I mean, he, he's a good offensive mind. So Gase can probably bring, bring out the best and Darnold and, you know, make Bella star again. Absolutely. So now with that being said, uh, let's talk about now. Uh, let's talk about now on the New York Jets is. Uh, um, is there an extension coming for Leonard Williams coming up? I I would hope there is. He's uh, he's been really dang good on the on that defensive front. And now you're pairing Quinn and Williams with him. Uh, the Williams wall. Yeah. 
Plus, the Jets re-signed uh, Henry Anderson, very underrated def- uh, edge rusher. Uh, that that D line could be pretty fearsome if if they're able to keep those pieces all together. Yeah, I wonder if the Jets are going to stay with the three four or four three because if it's a three four, expect Leonard and Quinnen to start in the Leonard and Quinnen to start on the edge, and then you start Henry Anderson in the middle. Yeah, whatever they do, they got to find a way to keep those three guys on the field. I mean. I would think a 4-3 would, would maximize their talents, but if it's 3-4, then they're going to have to shuffle around and see which guy fits best uh, at those three down spots. Absolutely. So now that being said, uh, let's talk about my favorite offseason move and dumb offseason move with the Jets. So I think um, I think uh, my favorite one was signing Le'Veon Bell. But the dumbest one was when they signed Trevor Simeon to – a contract. Yeah. Um, I really thought they were going to, you know. I, oh, and what, by the way, I thought Belay Powell's career is over, but I knew the doctors cleared him already to return to play, you know. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I thought with that neck injury he had, he was going to be out for a while. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I liked when they had – Josh McCown there because uh, he's he always was a solid backup journeyman uh, he seemed to fit well as the as the old vet that would sit on the bench and coach the young QBs um, I do like the Le'Veon Bell signing but I also like the the uh, the CJ Mosley signing he's stud linebacker and that's going to help uh, make that front set that front seven pretty dang good yeah, and do you think uh, – and, and, and then the dumbest one was signing Trevor Simeon. That was pretty dumb. I'm, I'm also going to say I, I, I didn't like that they let uh, Buster Screen go. I thought he was a solid corner for them. Buster Screen, I think, is now a chief. I think so too, yeah. I, I, he, he, was, he was pretty solid. No, he's solid. a bear now. Or bears. He, he, he was pretty solid for them. Yeah, he was pretty solid for them too. So we already talked about the Mike McCagden thing. So you think for the Jets, there are rumors about the Jets trading Le'Veon Bell because Adam Gase didn't really like how Mike McCagnan overpaid him. So I don't think the Jets are going to trade Le'Veon Bell. I don't think there's another team in the league that wants to eat up that massive contract, uh, especially for a guy who missed an entire year and, you know, uh, has touched the ball in the years he did play like 300 plus times. I, I, I just don't see another team doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, uh, so with that being said, uh, let's talk about now. Uh, let's talk about the uh, game to highlight highlight on the Jets' 2019 season schedule. So I think uh, to highlight, I look forward to when they play the Patriots on Monday Night Football and in Week Three. Yeah, that game definitely for sure has been um, talked about a lot. Um... The, the Monday night Patriots game. I'm also going to say, I, I really look forward to their, uh, when they host the Browns for the revenge game of last year, when the jets had the, were winning and then they let the Browns come back for the Browns first win in a long time. Uh, Baker versus Sam Darnold part two. Really? You think that? Yeah. Just because, you know, like last time, last year, the jets had that game. They, they were winning by, double digit points and then 
Baker comes in, replaces Tyrod Taylor, and leads the Browns to their first ever victory. And the Jets, it, it was a memorable thing, like for Browns fans, a shameful thing for the Jets, you know, losing to like arguably the worst team in the, in the NFL the last couple of years. So I, I think I, I like games where matchups feature rookie, rookie QBs taken in the in the first round from the same draft. Um, so like, there's always going to be that debate now, like which QB is the best from the draft, and matchups like this will show it. Uh, when you play against, you know, your counterpart that was drafted a few picks ahead of you. Oh, what were you saying again? Just, you know, the matchup between Baker and Darnold. I, I think I think whenever those two guys meet up to play, they're always going to talk about the draft they were a part of and that first time they faced each other and Baker pulled off the win. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a nice storyline. Yeah, it is gonna be uh, a nice storyline, that's for sure. So with that being said. Uh, let's talk about now uh, my favorite draft picks for the Jets. I like the the Quinnen Williams pick, and I also like the uh, I also like the pick from the the uh, offensive lineman from USC, who I think will start at right tackle right away. Uh, Chuma Egdoa, I think, will be one of Sam Darnold's pr- trusted protectors. Yeah, uh, he needed that, and uh, I. I... I like the Quinton Williams pick, but I also like the the linebacker pick of uh, Jackie Polite uh, or, or Polite, whatever his last name is. He he uh, pairing him up with C.J. Mosley could uh, will definitely be a good thing. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good thing there. That's for sure. So now that being said, uh, so now that being said, uh, let's talk about now. Uh, Let's talk about now uh, my my off my offensive and defensive players rookies of the year of 2019 for the Jets. So for offensive rookie of the year, I'm going to pick Trevon Wesco, the tight end from West Virginia, and then on offense and on defense, Quinnen Williams. But don't forget about Jahai Polite, though. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of candidates. Uh, obviously, Williams is the stud, the star player, but Polite could definitely make some noise and. Yeah, the Jets focused a lot on on defense for the draft, so uh, I, I I do say that the tight end from West Virginia, he, uh, you know, Donald really doesn't have a current tight end uh, top tier candidate, so he could step in and be Donald's go to guy in the short passing game. Yeah, he could ab- absolutely. So with that being said, uh, with that being said, uh, let's talk about now my breakout players of the year on the Jets this year. I think that's going to be Sam Donald. And on defense, I think it's going to be uh, Jamal Adams, who I think is going to continue to be one of the best safeties in the league and on this Jets team. Yeah, Adams is a stud. Honestly, uh, a year or two from now, he'll, I think he'll be the undisputed top safety in the league. He's just that good. Um, and then on offense, I, I honestly think uh, – if he stays healthy, watch out for Jamison Crowder. Uh, he's a very valuable spot receiver, and uh, he, he could help out, uh, help uh, that passing game grow and uh, develop. Help that passing game grow, that's for sure. So, with that being said, let's predict the uh, Jets 2019 re- uh, re- record. I'm going to say they go 9-7, and seven, and my draft grade for them was uh, – I'm gonna say B. Yeah, uh, draft grade. I, I give them a B minus, and 
record record wise, it's it's tough. I honestly th- think them and the Bills are going to be really close for that number two spot in that division. Uh, at nine, seven, eight, and eight. I, it's it's going to go. It's going to be really close. I, I I say they go nine and seven. So now that being said, um, let's talk. Let's now predict the order of the 2019 AFC East standing. So it's going to go like this: Patriots, Jets, Bills, and Dolphins. I have no arguments there. I, like I said, those two in the middle, it could go flip flop. But for now, just based on talent and uh, what's who I think is more consistent on offense, that being the Jets, I'm going to say the Jets have the two spot. Everything else is the same. But and everything else is the same, meaning that New England's number one. Right. All right. So now let's talk about some baseball stuff. So recap of the Rangers Orioles series. So what are your thoughts there? So did, did the Rangers win that series? Yes, they did. I believe um, they lost. They lost one game, uh, eleven to twelve, and then I think they they went ahead and won the next two. So I think they took the series two to one. Two out. Of, they took two out of three from Baltimore. I believe so. Yes. And then yeah. let's talk about game one of the Rangers A series. So did the Angel A's win or the Rangers won? Ah. Uh, the A's won five to three. They 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 scored two late runs in the ninth inning. Uh, it was a uh, it was a tie game pretty much most of the way. But then the A's scored two. They hit a two. They hit a two run home run in the ninth inning. So I I, I wouldn't ex- I I expected something like that. Whenever the Rangers and A's play, it's always down the wire. Uh, could go either way because they're basically they got they basically have the same record and uh, you know match up really evenly. And then let's uh, preview games two and three of the Dodgers. Let's recap game one of the Dodgers Giants series. I think that the Dodgers, uh, I think the Dodgers are on this. I think the Dodgers should have won this game yesterday. They got to Pomeranz. They made them throw a lot of pitchers, but they couldn't capitalize. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Dodgers only allowed two runs, and usually when you only allow two runs, there's a good chance you can still win, especially when you have an offense as good as the Dodgers do. It's just uh, – But the Giants play the Dodgers tough in SF. But when the Giants are in L.A., it's the total opposite. The Dodgers have the advantage and momentum when they play the Giants in L.A. Yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I, I didn't expect him to, to play this well, but Drew Palmer has – Rands really, really uh, played better than anyone predicted. His he had a, such a terrible ERA going into this game. I I honestly thought the Dodgers would win something like eight to one, eight to two. But I'll give him credit. He he uh, he pitched a good game. He just top. he just showed to Bochi that he wanted to. He kind of wanted. He pro, he he showed that he he wants to remain in that rotation and not get moved to the bullpen. Yeah, when, well, when you have games like that, that's a good showing. Good statement. So now let's talk about now. Uh, let's talk about games two and three, the Dodgers Giants here. So you got Rich Hill today against Jeff Samarja, and then Walker Bueller and Madison Bumgarner will be the highlight of the series because it's both that are on the mound. And on Saturday, you get to see Rich Hill go up against Jeff Samarja. I think the, you know, the Dodgers have owned Jeff Samarja. And they've also owned Madison Bumgarner since 2015. I, I expect the uh, today's game 
with between Hill and um, Samarja to be more in the Dodgers' favor. I will say, though, even though the Dodgers have had Bumgarner's number, I do expect Sunday's close, series close to uh, be, a, be a competitive game. I, but the Dodgers should still win. They should take the series 2-1. to one. Yeah, they'll take the series 2-1, to one, that's for sure. So, I think I – think, I was telling you, the Dodgers have owned Bumgarner and Samarja. Oh, yeah. I, I, I definitely believe it shouldn't be an issue for today against Samarja. Tomorrow – It'll be a little tougher because Bumgarner is obviously a better pitcher than him, but it should still be manageable. Yeah, it should be. You're right about that. So now that being said, let's talk about now. Uh, let's talk about now uh, games two, three, and four, the Rangers A series. So uh, today the Rangers play a doubleheader against the A's, a makeup game from April. So you think the Rangers should win both those games? Uh... Well, the, in the first game, we actually have um, our starting pitchers, uh, Joe Palumbo, who's just got called up from um, the minors in it to make his first major league start. But at the same time, the A's, uh, their starter today, is also being called up to make his uh, start. So I expect this first game to probably – the first game of the doubleheader to probably feature a lot of scores just because we, it's both pitchers uh, making their season debut. The uh, second game – uh, I expect to be a little closer, and I, the way things are looking, I, I say the Rangers uh, and the A's split the series two and two. Yeah, absolutely, right there. You're right about that. So, with that being said, let's talk about some mock trades that will land three elite bullpen arms for the Dodgers at the July 31st trade deadline. I think the Dodgers will trade for. Will Smith, Tony Watson to the Giants. I think I would have to throw in Scott Alexander and Yumi Garcia in that deal. And then I think for the Reds one, when they get Iglesias, I throw in Pedro Baez and Yadier Alvarez in that deal. Either way, the, the Dodgers definitely uh, – their bullpen is definitely going to explore some uh, some options because that's, uh, that's, that's the only real uh, Achilles heel that the Dodgers have had the last couple seasons is just their – while there is talent, their bullpen has had inconsistencies, which has cost them. Other than Jansen. You yeah, mean. well, like the, the setup guys or the guys who, who do the holds. Uh, they, they've uh, – it's, it's cost them late in games, especially in the World Series moments. So, I mean, that's definitely something that they're going to be looking at. Uh, I, I definitely can see no reason why they won't pursue some uh, relief pitchers. Um. Because yeah, the, the the Dodgers bullpen this year is their ERA is four or five, something like that as a whole. So it's it's uh, it's definitely uh, a strong area. I I don't know if they can land uh, a lot of elite pitch relief pitchers, but I can definitely see them getting two uh, for sure, maybe one, well, definitely one. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say three elite arms. It all depends on what they offer the other teams and if the other teams are, you know, satisfied with what they get in return. All right. So now let's talk about now. Uh, so that being said, uh, that's going to close our show, and, I can, and I'll talk to you next Saturday. Awesome. See you then.